Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Oh, welcome to the Coppercast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the President Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Etdog VP Etridge. Uh, welcome to the show and welcome Etdog. Uh, we're different beating tonight, mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, North London Lions, previous guests on the show. I just uh, saw they popped up on online shops. I thought I'd buy a couple. And where'd you get it from? I don't, you said online shop, but... Yeah, what? mate. They're, they actually use a Aussie company, Big Dog Clothing. Um, so, yeah, just jumped on their online shop and ordered a couple beanies. So, if you feel, you know, you want to... Support one of our guests, you can go jump on Big Dog's website or search up North London on Facebook and get a link to their store. And yeah, yeah they got yeah. goodies and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, nice. Now, I figured when you put out the North London beanie, I was like, you know what? You're not the only one getting to rep yourself in an international beanie. I've, uh, we are changing to AFL England, so not quite England, but the Cardiff Panthers across the world, mate. Uh, next goal wins makes these beanies. And I'll tell you what, mate, these are... One of the comfiest beanies that I've worn in a long, long time. It's a uh, credit to the people who cross it. Next guy wins. And Cardiff have also actually just signed the power deal with uh, Big Dog. So, yeah, Big Dog making waves, mate. Yeah, nice. Good, nice lovely yeah. Melbourne, good Melbourne-based company doing some good things. Yeah, awesome. So, you mentioned we're going to speak to AFL England. So, we're speaking to... Will. Will from AFL England. Uh, he's the president. He's got a bloody good poker face as well. <laughs> oh, jeez. Some dad jokes, mate. Some dad jokes yeah, coming at me. Yeah, nice. Po- 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 poker face. <laughs> well, I was going to start singing that, but um, it's yeah. funny to hear my voice sing. He does work in the poker industry. He's a reporter. Yeah, so president, president of AFL England. So yeah, but yeah. last Friday old. night, we uh, spoke to the big, big dogs at AFL Europe and we spoke to the president of AFL Poland, so we figured AFL England, you know, why not? Yeah, mate. And um, there is a little bit of a connection to Cardiff there. They did partake in a Strava group with uh, a few other teams over in England on that. Get going. The race to the G. Yeah. So, Will was, the, we, spoke to, we spoke to GB Swans last Wednesday, and Will is the person that was mentioned in that conversation about leaving the GB Swans uh, Strava group because he just couldn't keep up with them. Yep. They were putting him to shame and he had enough of it. It was killing his confidence. So he left the group. But yeah, they Cardiff, Cardiff Panthers and all the clubs over there got involved in this race to the G. And yeah, Before we get into it, we've Dame dropped a couple of clubs now. 
I'm going to name drop another one. Leipzig Quokkas. Yeah, mate. I'm just going to name drop them up. We've literally just got a chat with them. They're two months old, three months old, I think it is. She, Emily said. So uh, go ahead, give them a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram as well. And they're doing some great things in Germany with our footy and another club around the world, mate. How good is it? Yeah, mate. It's another club popping up. It's a shame they, they couldn't get to play a game as the Quokkas yet because of the COVID putting a stop to it. But hopefully they'll get off the ground soon and get some games in. But It's always nice to see... Side it's always nice to see a club wearing a local club jumper as well when they play. Yeah, mate. they uh got some kit from the Caulfield Bears, the home of the one and only suburban footballer. Who, uh, Yeah, so, mate, they're uh, just starting out. Fresh club, another new club popping up in AFL Europe. And I think we've got about well, 130 more to talk to, I think. Yeah, it's just... I'm trying not to think of that numbers, mate. It's too many. But this... A few more weekends to go, I reckon. Yeah, mate. But just to put in perspective, I thought about this today. We don't say what episode number this is. So you literally just got to be lucky enough to see the number. Mate, this is already episode 62. 60, bloody two. Jeez. All right. It's, look, it's, it's I just, a lot of hours editing. But before we jump into it, mate, next week, we've done the USAFL week. We've done seven, seven days. And now we're not going that... Extreme, but we've got Canada Week. Canada Week, yep. Monday night, we're chatting to the Topi Coat Kangaroos. Uh, Wednesday night, the Burnaby Eagles. And Friday night, the Grand River Gargoyles. So we figured, you know what, we've got three Canadian clubs recorded. Let's put them out in the one week. A bit of a way to promote footy in Canada. Yeah, nice. And um, they're all great chats. And this was another great chat. So enjoy this chat with Will from AFL England. And we'll catch you next week for that. Canada Week. Oh, Canada. <laughs> All right. Today we are joined by the president of AFL England, Will Schillerbeer. Welcome to the show, mate. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's, we're looking forward to learning about uh, AFL England. We've spoke to a few clubs that partake in uh, football over in England, so it would be good to learn a bit about the league side of things. But first of all, for you, how did you come across Aussie Rules in England? I had a pen pal when I was maybe um, early teens, and um, as certain things happen, when you have pen pals, you sort of you, you share interests, and, but then you also gain new ones from one another. Um, and she was a, a Geelong fan, and she had uh, apparently been Geelong fans. And so that sort of got me into footy. And like many people in England, it's on the TV um, at silly times. But if you happen to be in front of it at silly times, you, you can't help but watch it and go, what on earth is this? Or, or just in, in fascination at it. So I remember like haphazardly watching a few games. Um, uh, this must have been... 2000, 2010, 2011, but I, I was at university, so I wasn't really paying much attention. And then I remember um, the, two, the 2012 finals um, when Essendon got knocked out, Carlton got um, bumped in from ninth to, to eighth. And I remember sitting and watching the Carlton Richmond uh, elimination final, preliminary, preliminary final, whichever final that was. It was a good game. Um, and it was a good game. And I was sat there going, huh, I, I, I probably 
I, I will support who wins this game. And so Carlton won, which is great. Um, but in, since then, um, <laughs> I can't help but imagine how much better my life would have been or how much more enjoyable my barracking would have been in the eight years since if uh, Richmond had happened to have won that game. But so but I'm a Carlton fan. I'll, I'll get that out there as, as soon as possible. Um, good man, good man. I was going to say, I'm going to cut you off, but before we started recording, we had a you know, great chat, fun. I was looking forward to this episode. Within your first answer, you've already brought up bloody old wounds and, you know, it's just really hurt me already. Oh, God, oh, Carlton. That. Jesus. That. The other one is in the wash. <laughs> now you don't don't worry about the time since then and what bloody Richmond's done. You don't want to be a, you don't want to be a part of that supporter base as no. it is, all right? And Carlton has a far far richer history, and and mate, trust me, you you're part of a much much better fan base, that's for sure. And so, even uh, Essendon supporter, uh, he, as an, he uh, could S, confirm yeah, that. Essendon supporter, I will confirm that. I I would rather sit next to. Maybe fifty Carlton supporters, then one Richmond supporter. When Australians ask me, and they're like, "Oh, so so why are you a Carlton supporter? Were your dad's a Carlton supporter? Your your family a Carlton supporters? No, just pick them." And so it's like an Australian, um, just like a random twenty-something-year-old Australian picking Fulham, being like, "Yeah, oh, I'll be a I'll be a Fulham fan." So I told that anecdote in a um, in a job interview once uh, to do with a sports job. And the guy interviewing me was a Fulham fan. So I just picked like a random club to sort of, you know, be this crappy, not really doing much team for an Australian to pick. And I was like, I saw his face. I was like, you're a Fulham fan, aren't you? He's like, yeah. See, I'm a massive Arsenal fan, as Rift, you would know. And I actually support Arsenal because back, I would have been nine years old, I think I was. Um, SBS channel over here had the Premier League highlights and I was watching it. So I started getting into it. And we used to have a shop called, uh, do you remember Golo Rifty? No. no. A shop called Golo. They used to sell knockoff soccer jerseys. So they were 15 Australian dollars. And mum one day brought me home one, happened to be an Arsenal one. So ever since then, that's why I go for Arsenal. A lot of people think I go for them because back then they were quite successful. And I sort of, again, back then, great times as I was 10, 11, 12. Now a 29, 30-year-old, I can't stand it. <laughs> As I said to Rifty the other day, life was better when there was no sport on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just because are they black and red? No, that's red, uh, that's red and red, red, red and red, oh. yeah. red and white. Yeah. So my other team, so yeah, Chicago Bulls, New Jersey Devils, they come from the Essendon Colors. Yeah, I just thought that was all Essendon Colors. Oh, no. Shows how much I know about the round ball. <laughs> I don't even know what colors the teams are. Um, but how did you actually get involved with uh, AFL England? Um, so I studied in uh, Canterbury, my Canterbury, not New Zealand Canterbury. I'd say your Canterbury, but yeah, my neck of the woods, not your neck of the woods. Um, no teams down there. Um, so I was just enjoying it, watching it while I was at, at university. I then moved to Manchester to do a sports journalism course. Um, and Manchester has one of the most successful um, uh, Aussie Rules teams in England, the Manchester Mosquitoes, and I was like, "Oh, great! It's my chance. I'll I'll go down and um, uh, and have a train." So I went and trained uh, with them, maybe 
a handful of times, no more than that. Um, and then moved back to Reading, and there's a team here in Reading, the Reading Kangaroos, um, and trained with them. And so the, the prevailing school of thought in, in AFL England for many years has been, if you like Aussie rules in England, you play it. And if you like it a little bit more, you um, join the club committee. If you like it a little bit more, you, you join the league committee. And if you absolutely love it, uh, or have too much time on your hands, uh, you join the national <laughs> governing body. And I'm a bit of all of that. I, um, I absolutely love the sport. Um, and under the previous president, Jason Hill, um, who's now currently doing great works with Crosscoders and AFLW, um, I, was, I came on board as head of media. Again, building up a portfolio of work with sports and writing and media um, and obviously a sport that I love. Um, and when Jason stepped down, I, I, it, was, it was on me to sort of step up into, into the president's role. Um, and that's been, that's been since autumn last year, around about autumn last year. So obviously being very, very new into the um, presidency role, not the first year you would have ever envisioned with COVID-19 hitting you or hitting everybody. Um, what's it like? What has it been like trying to lead AFL England through this difficult period? It's been, it's been more reactive than proactive. And I think that's the same for lots of sports. Um, government guidelin- guidance sort of supersedes any desires that anyone has to, to get back out on the footy field. Um, and so clubs have been very understanding. Leagues have been also very understanding. Um, and we are sort of just waiting for any any news. So obviously we had the, you can't go out. Then we had the, you can meet in groups of six, no physical sport. So I know clubs are, are or, or players are going back to um, kick to kick, just informal sessions in, in parks. The moment that any sort of guidance comes that people can come back in any form of formal training, that will happen. And touch wood, if there is still scope in, in this year to, um, to get some footy played, then, then that will happen. Um, currently, we don't know. Um, we can hope for it. But again, we're, just, we're sitting and waiting just like, just like the Premier League was, just like, <clears throat> just like soccer was, just like golf or cricket was. You know, we, we, we cannot do anything uh, until it is safe to do so and when we are told it is safe to do so. Um, one of the interesting things that, that, that happened as a result of this was obviously our footy season runs parallel to the Australian footy season, um, May, May through September. Um, but we have a winter league for universities. So the National University League runs November through February, March time. Um, and so we'd done the regular season. The regular season had been completely finished. We'd had our minor premiers. We knew what the grand finalists were going to be. We knew when the grand final was going to be. We knew what the grand finalists were going to receive. Um, and it suddenly came to a head that there was going to be no more, no more footy possible. Um, and so that, was, that is still outstanding. Um, the grand finals are yet to be played. The current position is we hope that they will be played. We're not going to rule anything out. But like I said, we have to follow the safety guidance from the government, 
be sensible um, and just hope that Buddy comes back. It's it's more more that than anything else. Okay, fingers crossed for everybody. So obviously AFL England falls under the AFL Europe banner, and uh, from a conversation I had with the president of AFL Poland uh, not that long ago, all the twenty however many now I think it's twenty twenty six countries, uh, the presidents of all leagues had a meeting uh, to discuss the return to play progress. What's the feeling like within AFL Europe about you guys getting back to playing footy and getting a season this year? I don't think I was in that call. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've got, we, we were sent guidance from AFL Europe about return to training protocols, but I don't think that there was more of a a meeting I could I mean I can send you that guidance so you can know what we're working under but I wasn't there wasn't really a meeting or at least I wasn't in one yeah well I was being given the wrong information and just cut that out rift someone missed the zoom call (laughs) (laughs) um how many leagues are and teams are there throughout England oh you thought I would have brushed up on this um (laughs) The the main league the main leagues are uh, in London the Central and Northern England League and the Southern England and Wales League. Um, the London League has on a good year, um, as in not this year, um, three men's divisions and two women's divisions. Um, they work under different uh, protocol in terms of Australians and rest of the world uh, players, um, British and rest of the world players. Sorry. So, for example, um, I play in the social division because I am a social player. Um, you then have the conference and then the uh, men's premiership, which is, you know, I would say arguably some of the best quality footy outside of Australia. Um, the, the teams consistently vying for the title are um, some of the best teams in Europe. Um, they compete at the Champions League and are very, very good. Um, the Central and Northern England League um, consists of teams from Manchester, Nottingham, Wolverhampton. Um, there's one more and they'll murder me for not saying them. Wolves. And, and then other teams play in the South England and Wales League. Um, uh, the teams play under the Welsh League banner, but they are in England. So we have the Bath and Chippenham Redbacks and the Bristol Dockers and just geography necessitates them um, more closely aligned to, to the Welsh leagues. Same with the Tyne Tees Tigers up in Newcastle. They are much more closely aligned to AFL Scotland, but we retain an element of, of them still being an English club. So I think that's, I think in total, it's about tw- at least 20 clubs and at least six or seven leagues. Um, I, <laughs> I should have looked up the exact number beforehand, um, but I haven't got it up to hand. Uh, well, according to your website, you have 23 clubs. There we go. I was there. Yeah, you're close. I, I will take some blame for this because I was meant to send you through a quick uh, question sheet that we normally go through and my day just slipped away from me. So my apologies on that one. But uh, yeah, big shout out to the the Mozzies and the North on the Lions who we've had in the program before and a few other uh, England clubs that we're trying to organise times for. So, I'm sure they'll, they'll love to be involved. I know the Lions and the Rams, uh, no, the Lions and the Mozzies um, enjoyed their time with both of you. 
It's good to hear. It was great chats with both of them, and um, it was good. That the Mozzies, to- sorry, to cut you off there, but the Mozzies are still, you know, repaying us in big ways with uh, former player Jakey Norris, Cobracast's number one fan. Just give him another shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and they sound like they've had quite the success over there in Manchester. Um, but what has it been like for you overseeing all these different leagues and and teams that are involved in the AFL uh, England? The the role of AFL England is is almost separate to the leagues. I not not separate. That's not the right word. But we know that the clubs and leagues know how to uh, organise the game um, as they have done for. A number of years. It's the, the 30th anniversary of AFL London um, this year, so we know that the clubs involved uh, up and down the country have experience of um, playing against one another, organising against one another and, and knowing what it needs to take. And we don't want to supersede that in any way. Um, we don't have, we are very realistic and we do not have the resources to run and operate those leagues like the Australian national governing body of Australian rules, i.e. the AFL does with the AFL. Um, that being said, we do have really close ties with the president of the leagues. Um, we want to see the game grow, so seeing the leagues flourish is really encouraging. Um, the only league that we have a day-to-day running in is the National University League, which started, um, just finished its second season. Um, that has gone from strength to strength. We've seen um, two full seasons of really, really good footy that has come directly from some of the most enthusiastic young people, um, young British people that are, are, are playing the game. Um, we set it up with the intention of having that extra rung on the ladder between discovering it and playing in a senior team and playing for the national teams. Um, and it's slotted in really well. Um, we know that the quality is getting better just from the number of goals, the number of different goal scorers, um, players from the University League being selected to play for England, Poland, Wales, Scotland, Great Britain. Um, people really enjoying the game at a university level and using that, like we said, as a stepping stone to the senior game um, and playing after they leave uni. So you mentioned about the national team in there. So the national setup is a little bit different with um, England and Great Britain. So let's start. Excuse me. Let's start with the uh, England national team. So what are the men's and women's national teams called? What tournament do you guys compete in under the England banner? So the England Dragon Slayers on the men's side, and the England Vixens are the women's side. Uh, they are nine-a-side teams. Um, what you'll come across and uh, Australian Aussie rules fans might not know this, that in Europe, a lot of footy is played nine aside um, because we have rugby pitches and we don't have that many ovals. So, um, for example, the Central and Northern England League and the University League are both played nine aside. So we can find a rugby pitch and stick four extra posts in the ground and, and, and go for it. Um, London, where there is much more green spaces, much more cricket ovals, lots more um, space for goalposts. They are all played 18 aside or, or, or full strength. 
But the England sides are our Niner side, and they play every year in the Euro Cup. Um, the men's are five-time winners. They've won it more than anyone um, ever has. Uh, and the women have also won it two or three times, uh, at least off the top of the dome. Um, yeah. Uh, that is, um, that's probably one of the, it's the second biggest thing. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Run out of steam there. Uh, yeah. So with the fact that, as you mentioned before, that some of the best footy played outside of Australia is in like the AFL London leagues and the leagues in, uh, in England, being the fact that the English side do play a Niners side, what's the selection process for players to get picked to play for England? We, uh, it, it used to be different, but I know currently we made the decision last year or the national teams together made the decision to appoint a, a coach for both England and Great Britain. And I know I'm going to come on to a next question here with the same answer. Um, the Great Britain sides are the Great Britain Bulldogs for the men's and the Great Britain Swans for the women. And they are 18 aside. They are full, full Aussie rules teams. Um, the highest honor any uh, Great Britain pl uh, player can, can achieve is to play for the national team on a full 18 aside. Um, and last year, <coughs> last year we had the European Championships. Um, they're held every three years. Um, they're kind of a big deal. Um, I consider the um, European Championships Grand Final the biggest Aussie rules game outside of Australia in any capacity, purely for the fact that it is, it's the biggest, the second biggest um, national team final outside of the International Cup, which we'll come on to in a bit. Um, and so in the preparation for the European Championships in London, we wanted to combine the coaching resources and the scouting knowledge of the nine-a-side England coaches with the 18-a-side Great Britain coaches. Um, and so Dean Thomas has been heading up both since early 2019. Um, and the, the, the men went on to win um, the European Championships. So it, it was very fruitful. Yeah, no, sorry. I just I was trying to do some research there on my own. Um, so you mentioned about how you've got the Great Britain squad now, the, the men's and the women's Great Britain team, which is the highest honour that can be played for someone in England. So what tournaments do you guys compete in under the AFL England banner? And who are the two coaches for the men's and the women's teams? Um, that sounds like, it sounds like a quiz question, but I've got the answers this time. <laughs> Um, the, the, the Great Britain teams are, are, are a, a huge thing for us. Um, we know that people, Aussie rules fans in England, especially British ones, they can actually really, they really buy into a national team uh, in a way that Aussie rules doesn't really have in Australia. Um, I mean, we have the, you have the international rules thing, but that's normally just an excuse for Aussies to come over to Ireland and have a bit of a fight for, for a few weeks. I don't um, really cut you off. I don't really cut you off, Bill. But I love how every English and Irish club I've spoken to that brings up the international rules says exactly the same thing, that we're just a bunch of thugs over here, apparently. 
I love it. It's so good. You're, you're, you are not, folks, and I would hate for you to think that I think that. <laughs> nah, nah. It's only the Aussie, it's only the AFL players when they come over to Ireland for international rules. That's a very small subsection yeah. of the Aussie population. I love you guys to bits. It's, um, just, it's, just, it's just funny that everyone, like, same thing. It's like they come over here to fight us. It's like, yeah, yeah that's what they so, did. <laughs> so the, the, the GB sides are, are a, a huge thing for us, and we know that... Um, British Aussie Rules fans can really buy into the concept of a national team. Um, they compete in the European Championships, which are every three years. Um, they won it in 2000, both the men's and the women's won it in 2016, when it was in London. And then the men won it again and retained the title in 2019. Um, that tournament is usually a precursor to the International Cup. Um, it's held, or the International Cup is also held every three years the year after the European Championships. So it's a bit like people using the World Championships and athletics uh, the year before the Olympics to sort of gauge where they're at. Um, obviously there's no International Cup this year because of certain things. Um, so that's been moved to next year, but the, um, the Great Britain women competed for the first time in the International Cup in 2017 and they um, finished, as, finished in third, which was the highest result by any GB team ever. Um, and the men's also uh, finished uh, fifth, I think, which is their joint best uh, performance ever. So we, we always, as a national side, um, target the International Cup because it is such a huge thing. It's such a huge game for us. Um, every player, British, American, Australian, wants to kick a goal on the MCG. And for many years, the only chance that, you know, footy players from, from this part of the world would get was through the International Cup um, to, to get to go to Melbourne and to be in, immersed in footy like that city is, um, is almost a reward in and of itself. You then have the opportunity to represent your country, compete against other footballing nations, um, maybe show the Australians a little bit about, you know, how far their game has, has come. Um, and I have to say, it's almost a pity that they've moved it up the coast to, um, I want to say, Brisbane? Yeah, somewhere up there. <clears throat> I've just with, a, with a funny name. Don't make me... Yeah, sunshine. As you've just said that, bet it's a shame they've moved up the coast. I've looked across at Rifty. Rifty's looking across me, and we're both just nodding our heads in agreement because when we like we've just discussed this many times in the show that you don't really know the international cups going on in Australia until after the final. You may get lucky and listen to a radio program that might talk about it for a little bit. You may listen to a podcast that may talk about it for a minute, and Channel Seven might put a oh this was the final that was played today. No, nothing about the two weeks prior. Since discussing, I think we've spoken over 40 clubs now uh, when recording this, we've said to us, uh, when we first started doing it, we're finding out more like, okay, next year when 2021 it gets back across here, we're going. It's, it's always in Melbourne, we're going. All of a sudden we start doing a bit of research on it and it's, ah, it's in Brisbane or up, up Queensland way. So we're currently in the process at the moment of trying to work out a way that we can get ourselves up to uh, the Sunshine Coast in 2021 and meet up and speak to a few of these people that we've spoken to on the podcast and you know 
even do a bit of reporting for it. But um, I, I have seen the um, the facilities there, the resources there. I I have no doubt that it will be an amazing tournament because, like I said, when you put footy loving people from all over the world in one place, it's just like a football summer camp. Uh, you know, I haven't been lucky enough to experience it yet. Um, but you know, people love the game. They will love to get. They will love the game wherever it's played. Um, even to be playing it on Australian soil, you could put us anywhere on on any four any corner of Australia, um, apart from the middle bit, obviously. Uh, any corner of Australia, and people will want to kick um, kick goals. Um, my only my only thing about it is that that dream of kicking a goal at the MCG is universal and it was universal um, when it was in Melbourne and it will be universal when it's in Brisbane and it's just a huge shame that it is no longer longer there. It, it will be a great tournament. I don't want the organisers to see this and think that I'm, I'm not looking forward to it in Brisbane. Um, I know Carlton trained there so it can't be that bad. Um, so no, we you know we will have that extra year of preparation. I know the squads are currently doing the best they can. You you know there is a lot of training that can go on when you're not doing matches every week. Um, and I know that being in certain group chats with with both men's and women's national team players, they are they are still looking forward to it. They're working on everything from nutrition, mindset. Um, stamina, speed, strength, the, the amount of um, the amount of strength work that is going in I, that I see with especially the girls, I'm, I'm not going to shout out any names but they know exactly who they are with putting together programs for one another um, is, is phenomenal and so they know that the effort that they put in now um, will, will reap dividends in, in Brisbane. It would reap dividends wherever it was in Australia. All right, if you could just jot that down, the Women's Great Britain strength team, because uh, the time recording this, next, next weekend we have actually going to be chatting to Ian Mitchell and a couple of women from uh, the GB Swans. So I want to find out from the, from the horses. I'm not too sure who we're speaking to. I know that Ian's joining okay. us. I think he's got, I think, maybe two players lined up to speak to with us. So I'm, right. um, we'll, we'll find out then you know, exactly who's the one doing all the hard work. And um, you mentioned... Don't, don't, <laughs> don't tell them that I sort of just landed them in it, just try to hype them up. But they, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in their WhatsApp group because, you know, if I need to get any information out to them, um, one of the things we did in the run-up to the national, uh, the European Championships was we got information about the, the GB players, both men's and women's. Um, where did they go to school? Where did they go to university? Um, what did they study? Things like that. Um, uh, how did they get into the game? and Things like that. And I used my background in sports journalism to do almost the press agency's work. And so I emailed a lot of universities, you know, on their alumni pages and been like, hey, you know nothing about Aussie rules. But it, isn't it a big deal that these guys are competing for their country, for Great Britain in the European Championships of Aussie Rules? Isn't that amazing? And we got answers. We got like alumni newsletters and, and um, local newspapers coming back and saying, 
oh, that's quite interesting. Can we speak to them? Can we follow up? So I know um, St. Andrews, Birmingham, Brighton, all, all these universities that are actually taking pride. Um, and again, that's just part of our job to, to get the, the sport out there. So um, they are working very hard and I would love nothing more than to see them uh, better their third place finish from, from 2016. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they can. Uh, I think the grand final is getting played on the Gabba, isn't it? So hopefully yeah. that, that one of them gets a, a different chance. type of G. Yeah, it gets a chance to kick a goal in the G. And it is something we're, we're quite envious of being, you know, lovers of football and, you know, never, never going anywhere near the highest of highs of uh, actually playing uh, on the G. I think the only opportunities we would ever have is, uh, is as young kids. I think uh, Ed Dog here has played a game on the G as an Oz kicker running around. Yes, but I, I was going to point out. Carlton jersey. Um. But yeah, I think we're we're something we're it's quite we're quite envious of that you uh, that they get the opportunities in other parts of the world over in England and stuff to actually represent their country in a in a game that we love so much and um, it's fantastic that there's uh, a lot of uh, Englishmen and women that are embracing the game and and you know like you said it's universal that they want to that opportunity to kick a goal in the G. Um, and hopefully some of them get the chance on the other G up in Queensland. Uh, speaking, of the, speaking of the MCG, obviously watching the games with no sound and hearing every shout is weird for anyone watching a, an AFL game. Um, I'm quite looking forward to us getting back and playing 18 aside on a full oval because it will feel like the G. Or does the G feel like King's Meadow <laughs> in Reading? Where yeah, I think there's one man and his way. dog. Right. Oh, what I want to know is, how's the selection process work for um, for selecting those GB teams for the International and Europe Cups? Uh, it's a good question. We, three different countries. The coaching team and the club team have a very... Um, a very good uh, scope when it comes to knowing players. Um, they can't know everyone. That's that's not that's not possible with within the scope of the game in England currently. Um, but they do have either ex players, coaches, senior players. Um, who, who it works on a recommendation basis. There's no. Um, I, I, there's a. I did an interview with with Dean about this a, a couple months ago. Uh, addressing this point there's no trial days there's no things like that if someone thinks you are good enough to come and uh, play for England or play for Great Britain um, at least on the men's side you can come down um, that is obviously hit and miss and there will be players who will not make, make the grade um, the case in point was given of players who have exceptional pace or exceptional stamina um, and by bringing them into the Great Britain fold they can utilize that and work on the on the other attributes um, to bring them up to to the level um, and that has reaped dividends with 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 certain players within the within the setup yeah, nice well, we, when we did start recording this we were talking about your your job away from running the league um 
So while we're recording, let's, you mentioned your sports journalism. You run a, a poker news site. Um, how has the skills from your, your daily job helped you in running the league? And um, I would have to say with, with Hound on Heart, it's Excel spreadsheets. I deal with them a lot. Um, anyone who works with me knows that I, I am meticulous in keeping them. Um, but it's just the, you treat everything, I treat everything as seriously as I can. Um, obviously with poker and my background in reporting on live poker, um, that's not, you know, the, the grand final. It's not the Olympics. Um, but people will tune in and, and watch it like it is. People can be fanatical about anything at whatever level. Um, and I think that kind of shines through in, in footy as well. You know, people love this game uh, wherever they are in the world. And so you have to treat the national governing body of Aussie rules in England with however many thousand players we have as seriously as, you know, soccer or rugby. Now, there is always a pinch of salt, like, you know, we don't have the resources or the personnel or the um, natural appetite for that sport. We've got to be aware of that fact. So you have to balance the enthusiasm of the people who are aware of the sport with the fact that we are a minority sport in this country. Um, that's not going to change overnight. Um, but we take confidence in... Um, the way that American football has flourished in this country. Um, we know that the university level American football is huge. Um, not exactly what we were modeling our university football on, but we know that the appetite is there um, for sports that are not necessarily indigenous to this country. Um, and so we're always going to come up against people who want to play uh, soccer, cricket, rugby, but we know that once people, once the footy bug bites, we know that they're enthusiastic about it um, and, and people will want to play it. So that's, that's our job as a national governing body is to encourage people to, to find out about it, play it, um, to encourage opportunities for people to play it at whatever age, at whatever age, whatever stage they're at in their football journey. Um, we, we hope that um, in the future um, there will be a, a place for everyone to, to play. Obviously, um, things take time, um, but we know that there is an appetite out there. If you if you build it, they will come. Um, we know through the university league, which is our you know I keep on talking about it, but it's our biggest success in the last two years by far. Um, clubs have come back to us and said it's great because when we have the fair at the beginning of term, when people walk past the sports fair and they walk past the soccer and the rugby tables and they, they think about maybe picking up a, a, a sport for university, they look at the Aussie rules table and go, huh, I'll try that out. And whereas in the past, they'll try it out for a couple of sessions and they'll do some drills and things like that. And then maybe it'll fall by the wayside. The, the, the clubs are saying to us, we now have a lead. We have a league that we can say, look, we are competing in this league. There's, there's opportunities for you to have competitive games 
with you know other enthusiastic people who love the sport um, and, and the clubs are, are growing. Um, and so if we can replicate that at a junior level, probably not with anything as huge as Auskick, but once our schools start going back and once um, life outside of footy comes back to normal, we have, um, we have plans with our schools and juniors coordinator to at least get a better understanding of where footy is being played at that age level, what works, what doesn't work, um, and how we can expand it to even more young people within reason. Yeah, nice. Hopefully um, it can grow the game. Well, the University League, from the sounds of it, is doing a fantastic job. We spoke to, um, very early days in this show, spoke to, uh, I feel terrible for getting his name, Scott Jones from the Cardiff Panthers, and they were saying that um, James Gibson had done a lot of work in getting the Wales team in to the University League and was talking about how just um, you know, important that is there for the growth of their game in Wales. And I actually went back... To and listen to that episode today just to make sure that I had all the information correct. And from the sounds of it, that league is the university league is going to be a great thing for footy in well, Aussie rules in England moving or England and Wales moving forward. But um, how hard is it to get sponsors for the league across there? Very is the answer. Um, the mar- you know, you're never going to get a marquee sponsor. Um, you you are restricted. Clubs are very restricted in the terms of um, local, you know, getting bars and pubs to support them, um, getting loyalty discounts at certain um, pubs and, and establishments. From a national league point of view, um, we are still in the process of being officially recognised as a national governing body. Um, it's a process that is. Uh, has been ongoing from my predecessor and the predecessor before him. Um, it is a necessary step, um, but it's things like having an anti-doping policy, having a child and safekeeping in policy, um, having a grievances policy. So all these things that are that take time to put together um, and, and send off, but we know that there is a route to that. And that should open up more of a way to, you know, be recognised. Um, the the encouraging signs are Sport England, who are the people who organise the accreditation for national governing bodies. They recognise Aussie rules as a sport, which is good. I mean, I wouldn't expect them not to. Um, and we have a lot of the documentation for uh, participation. And we also have the backing of AFL Europe, obviously, as, as huge um, helpers to the game on our, our side of the country. Um, we know that other sports can get recognised. So it's just a case of putting in the, the, the graft to try and get recognised. And we hope that that will lead to, to bigger and better things. Um, a lot of people in England, um, even within the footballing community, think that because we have the AFL in our name, we are, are more fortunate than we are. Trying to, trying, to be, trying to be very respectful. The AFL and AFL Europe are, are huge uh, proponents of the game on this side of the world. Um, without them, we wouldn't have 
the Champions League, the European Cup, the European Championships. Um, and with them being in London, it's, it's very easy for us to, to work together with them on coaching courses, umpiring courses, you name it. They're, they're working very hard, but they obviously have however many other countries to, to deal with. Um, we, are, we are dealing with our, with our own stuff and we are finding our own way to um, gain resources to, to help grow the game. I mean, the, I, I'm a volunteer. Everyone in every club is a volunteer. Um, the way I phrase it to anyone who asks is the only things paid in AFL England are the umpires because they, uh, they, they get paid like I'm assuming they do in, in Australia and, and marks. They're the only things that are getting paid in this, in this country. So um, that, that is obviously having an effect on, we would love to have outreach people going into universities or, or schools or um, young people's sports fairs to, to have the, the sport on as many pedestals as possible so, so people can see it. Um, but we have to be realistic and take a step back and say, no, let's, let's walk before we can run because the, the sport, AFL London's only been around for 30 years and we, only, we say only 30 years, but um, this has not got the, the roots that any other sport in this country has. So it'll take time to um, establish a footing at, at all age levels. It's great that we can have um, you know, 20, late, late 20s, early 30 Australians coming and playing it here, and they are a huge backbone of the Aussie rules community in England. We just want more British players because that will, that will hope that that will make the game grow in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you have uh, more local players, it will also mean that your national teams will become stronger coming through the ranks. So, um, you mentioned at the start of the show that you played for the Reading Kangaroos. Um, so what position did you play for them? Or do you play for them? Wherever they want me. Um, <laughs> my job is, or my job, yeah, well, my job sees me in, in Las Vegas from late May to early July every year, um, which, as any footy fan knows, is peak football season. Um, and so for the last three, four seasons, yeah, three seasons, I have played maybe one or two games of the first one or two games of the season, gone to Las Vegas and worked for seven weeks and come back in time for the first game of finals. Um, and that's been, that's been my footy career for the last few years. This year, um, when the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas got cancelled, I was like, great. Oh, I'm going to be in, in England for the first time in five years between May and July. That's, that's footy season. And then the footy season went by the wayside. Um, so it's, it is what it is. But um, I remember my first game for Reading. I messaged the page on Facebook and said, hey, is there any training can I, can I come down to? And they said, yes, we've got a training session and a, a mini match on, on whatever day it was. Feel free to come on down, trainers, boots, whatever. So I wandered on down to King's Meadow, which has actual um, 
what it's in Reading, so it's outside of London, but it has actual Aussie rules posts. There's always posts on social media being like, why are they, what's this thing with <coughs> posts in the middle of this field? Anyway, so I wandered along. Um, they play in the social division. They won't, they won't hate me for saying that that, that that sort of conjures up a certain type of, of bloke. Um, and so the, at least on that match, the ruse were the sort of cigarette at halftime, pint at three-quarter time team, um, which is great. If you love the game and you want to play it, that's fine. The only problem was that match was against the University of Oxford, two weeks out from them playing the University of Cambridge in their biggest game of the season. So we were thumped, I think. I think we kept it interesting until three-quarter time. And then, like I said, the beers at three-quarter time were sort of, uh, sort of put, the nail in, put the nail in our own coffin. But they're, like, they, are, they are the epitome of people who love to play the game. Um, and don't take it too seriously, but still want to win. Mate, how good is uh, that sound? Just, you know, a couple of beers at three-quarter time and half-time. It sounds like a good time. Mate, it's... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't want Australians to think nah. that we are taking it not seriously. This was a pre-season <laughs> training match, and I'd, I, I, I don't think it's ever happened again in any actual league match that we've played. All right, well... To make you feel a bit better, when I first when the we have a competition that we currently play in called the thirds competition. So any team in our league that have seniors, reserves, and a thirds, which is I'm pretty sure social is called in England. So back when it very first started about ten years ago, there was blokes so home and away games, so games that are actually important. Half time, you'd stand around blokes outside puffing down cigarettes. So, and I think even back then, even I think. Reserves, still quite a few bikes. Reserves would go outside for a start at half time. But Mate, I'll, I'll add to that the coach that got me down to the club, Willow, who we just mentioned, we were recording on our previous episode. I just mentioned him then as well. Um, he used to play alongside my old man, and this is in a master's comp, so they would have been well into their 40s, if not hitting 50. And I, I'm there watching a game, he was the captain coach at the time. And he would have someone come and give him a cigarette at quarter time, half time, or three quarter time, as he stood off to the side having his cigarette while he worked on his board, where the moving the team around. And he was a captain, bloody coach. I couldn't believe it. That I'm doesn't surprise that. me. That does not surprise me with Willow. But um, but he has quit now and he's doing well. So, uh, so he's off the vape. No, he's not. He's on a. He's on the vape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no nicotine in it. Oh, okay. It's okay. just a flavoured vape. Bit of a behind the scenes. When I, I've now quit smoking, I'm uh, almost probably over 250 days now. Last year, when I was still smoking, you told me I oh, just get on the vape, mate. It's so much better for you. I'm just like, I might as well just keep smoking. I'm gonna be spending money. But anyway, so you mentioned that your uh, day job means that you're in Las Vegas for peak AFL and Aussie rules period. How how is that going to affect the running of AFL England with you across in Vegas and not there? Or is it pretty safe to say because the leagues have got their own uh, committees running stuff, it's sort of going to be fairly easy for you to not be there? It, it, it is exactly that. The, um, the AFL London committee is made up of various people from various clubs. Um, their co-chair women, uh, one of them is, is on the AFL England committee. So we are in 
fairly content, constant uh, contact with them. Um, you don't have a league that has been run for 30 years without um, them knowing how to run the league. It would sort of be like um, me coming and telling you guys how to run your league or, or things like that. Um, so we, we respect the clubs and the, and the position of the clubs and leagues within our uh, infrastructure enough to let them do their own thing. Um, you know, the moment we start treading on their toes is when they, you know, we, we dismantle that relationship we have with them. We want them to, to look at us as bastions of the game, as well as them being bastions of the game going forward. Um, you know, we, neither can exist without each other. We're not the national governing body of the sport if the clubs don't exist. Um, and the clubs need to have a national governing body because without them, there is no future for those clubs. Um, the, the primary thing we hear from people is recruitment. And the only way that people uh, will be in a position to get recruited by these clubs is if they find out about the sport. Um, and that's, that's where we're pitching it. We, we, we need the sport to survive in order for the clubs to thrive. Um, and the clubs are our greatest success story. Um, we had um, teams in grand finals last year that hadn't made grand finals in 10 years. Um, the, the rotation between, from year on year, um, one year we had, I think, three of the five titles won by an individual club. This year, I think we had four won by individual clubs. So um, we know that the, 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 the clubs rotate through periods of dominance and periods of, um, of, of not dominating. And that's all to do with recruitment um, and, and best pitching the sport where they can. Yeah, nice. I did think that from our, what we're talking about earlier, that the leagues would be able to survive without the president of Aflinging in there for that reason. But so I just, it's just sort of, a lot of I mean, I'd, I'd love to be there. I'd love to see it. I'd love to, you know, play in it more than anything. <laughs> um, we just know the clubs can, can handle it. If anything ever needs to be escalated, they have a committee in place and a grievance policy of their own in, in place. Um, like I said at the top of the, the, the call, the, the University League is currently under our control and we are running that. And I'm around for those months. But we are looking to, in the future, move that outside of us so that it can run itself, so that they can have that sense of ownership over, um, over the league. And, you know, clubs know how to contact clubs. Clubs know, you know, from when they've played against each other for so many years, players know players, players, you know, coaches know coaches. It's, it's a very tight-knit thing. And for me to say, to try and do this from, from, from my room is... is it just doesn't work. So it's not like we're shirking our responsibilities. It's just not our responsibility in the first place. Yeah, you don't need to be involved in the day-to-day running and knowing every single thing that goes on within leagues and clubs because that is why you have leagues and committees of leagues. As For example, our league, the Southern Football Netball League, you guarantee AFL, the AFL and AFL Victoria aren't constantly wanting to know what they're doing every second of the day. That's why they have people employed to run certain leagues. But back and that's to why people, that's why having the AFL, you know, when people know that AFL is the Australian Football League and then they put AFL England, they think it's an England league. That's, that's always cropping up. Um, and it's just 
a quirk of it being called AFL. Yeah. Yeah. When we first started this, I was like, okay, you obviously like um, every league's AFL, Denmark, AFL, England, AFL, uh, Scotland. So I was like, oh, AFL obviously have a fair bit to do with them. Then over time, I've learned the AFL is there. The AFL do do a little bit for them, but it's more recognizing recognizing the name. If you just sit there and go, oh, Aussie rules England, most people would be like, the fuck is that? You put AFL in front of it, and straight away people are, oh. AFL, I've said that before. That's the truth. Brand recognition. Yes, thank you. I wasn't too sure what the word was. I think that's a huge element of the AFL's overseas agenda is an awful word, but that's what I'm trying to say. Their overseas ambitions is about participation and consumption and awareness. So as long as people are aware of the AFL brand, consuming the AFL content and participating in the sport, they're, they're happy as Larry. That's, and, and that's where we are at. We are helping to, to at least do the awareness and participation part. Um, if, if, uh, if we can do anything to help the consumption of it, then of course we, uh, we, we try our best. But again, people, people watching AFL doesn't get people out on the ovals, but it does get people aware of the sport. So we know that in this area of the world, the, the three things, consumption, awareness, and participation, all, all tie into both our goals as national governing bodies and the AFL, big, big daddy AFL. Yeah, well, that big daddy AFL would like to give us a bit of our love for trying to grow participation around the world. That'd be very nice from you know, the kennel and the presidential suite in Sandown. But um, back to your playing, playing days. What position do you play? Oh, wait, I've asked that. I can't remember now. I did. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's right. <laughs> I can. I can't kick from outside fifty. I probably can't kick from the goal square. <laughs> I, I'd like to. Um, I mean, if I can kick, that's it. Yeah. If I can kick, that's fine. Love that. So we had before before lockdown started. We had one. I had. I went to one training session, like one of the first training sessions of the year, and it was drizzly. And we were playing on the 3G because our oval was flooded. Great stuff there. Um, and it was an awful day. The ball was slippery. And I, I played a blinder. I don't think I misplaced a kick. My handballs were amazing. I had a, a GB Aussie Rules beanie. Um, and there was a couple of new guys there who saw me and were like, oh, how long have you been playing? You know, because, you know, GB beanie. And I said, I can probably count the number of games I've played in the last four years on one hand. Um, but I was, I was on fire. And then basically two weeks later, no season. So I, and in the last couple of weeks with um, the government allowing um, six players or, or six mates to get together to have a kick, I was out there like, I just, I just want to stick my foot through it. Just want to stick my laces through it. I, I'd, I'd ordered it. The day, the day that lockdown started in the UK, I ordered this from Australia, and it took the in, pretty much the entirety of the first stage of lockdown for it to arrive. And so then, when it arrived, I had no one to kick to. Like, uh, so when did we record West Lothian Rifty? Probably about two months ago, two and a half months ago now. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Do you remember the back end of that conversation? Very similar. Yep. Exactly the same thing. I'd order the footy, 
ready to get going. It had arrived just before, pretty much as lockdown had started. And he just sitting there going, he's got this brand new, same as you, grabbed it, brand new footy. He just wants to kick it and he, he can't. So I it's think not we, like, like I, I live with my parents. I'm, I'm looking to move out, but I can't exactly, you know, this is not like American kids in America taking their dad and, and throwing spirals, you know, down yeah. in the park. If I said to my dad, dad, come for a kick. I'd have to give him like a first stage Oz kick lesson on how to actually kick the thing. Whereas I'm there wanting to kick it 40 meters on the run, you know, and, and, and take us absolute screaming mark. Um, and so when we, when we actually got the, it was just three guys in the park next to the oval, which is now not underwater. Um, just, uh, I was sat there going, Oh my God, I'm going to kick it for the first time. And now it's all scuffed and green and I'm sad, but it is probably one of the nicest, one of the nicest sharings in the country at the moment because I've played with some absolute rotten ones. Yeah, yeah we, um, we have learned that. And <clears throat> I just want to point out here, Richard, that we obviously very, very fortunate to, the league will supply us footballs at obviously a cost. And I've never really thought about, okay, we get to play brand new footies every week. This is awesome. And it wasn't until doing this convers- this chat, I think I was on Facebook and shared it to um, Matt Gale at the Osaka Dingoes. And they'd actually put a picture up. And the shares that they were using like were either been kicked a million and one times oh. or were 10 years old. And it was at that point where, obviously we've heard about these clubs, they struggle to get footies, but it was at that point where the appreciation of, you know, what the league actually will give us, how easy it is to get footies in Australia, you know, it really did kick in. And by doing this podcast, it's definitely learnt. Yeah, that's an absolute that's a Toyota. Considering we're about where our club is, we're about 15 minutes, if that, from the Sharon factory. Um, see, that's, see, I'm sad. I, I've seen that video uh, that they do every year of making the grand final footies. And putting it together and, and, and doing everything to it. I quite like, I almost went on the tour. I almost, when I was in Australia last, uh, in January, I almost went on the tour. Of the- Hold on, I'm sorry, there's a tour of the Sharon factory? I think there's, I think there's one. I definitely tried to look into it. Oh, I, might, I might have mis- been mistaken. Oh, you know, I'm getting home. I'm jumping on that as soon as we get off this call. <laughs> I've, so I've seen. I've played in games where the match footy, as in the one that has been kept aside and not used in the warm-up, is shitter than that. And that, and that is, like, that's on a good day. All right. I just want to point out one thing, Rifty, and you're going to understand exactly what I mean by this. He's played on games that the footy is shitter than that. We have blokes at training that will be calling, change the ball, change the ball, for one that's a little bit sleepier, or you know, not quite as new as the other one. I think it was... When recording last one, one that's the Sharon logo is a little bit worn out, yeah. so it's in not one drill, we stopped. We changed footy three times because someone's like, Nah, that's the good one, now nah, get the better one. And yet, they were all not you wouldn't say game perfect game condition, but any other club in the world, we're sitting there going, Oh, this is amazing. And we've got blokes going, Nah, change the footy. You want to play the ones that are like the color of that shield with wet and with no markings on at all, and you're sat there like, this could be a footy, or it just could be a misshaped soccer ball, because it's got no markings on it, it's got, like, the the threads are black, it's, yeah. 
And again, Rifty, this goes back to my gripe a little bit earlier about in Australia, nine-game season, stop your bitching. <laughs> yeah, we've been telling guys every week, mate, there's, there's blokes that are lucky to play four games. There's blokes that are lucky to have an actual share. And, you know, some, some places are stuck kicking those shitty burlies around. So Hey, we'll take them. If you've got any spare, we'll take them because... <laughs> mate, Mate. That's all. That's all we got. These, these, we have to rely on. If there's someone from any club going to Australia at any point in time, they will probably uh, bring back a season supply for every. You get a share in. You get a share in. You get a share in because <laughs> I, they are exorbitantly expensive to get over here. And the AFL Europe do a great job of of getting us access to them. But again, it's, it's, if you get them while you're in Australia, if you see a British person. In, in, I don't know, what's the fucking sports shop? I was going to say Bunnings, but it's not Bunnings. Rebel Sport. Rebel Sport. Yeah. If you see them out there with a super with a trolley full of footies, you know that they're probably probably British. That's right. Well, if well they, how, how much if do you. Any, any Brits coming over, just send them our way. We'll take them down to the old uh, Sharon factory. Oh, I was going to say, how much, do you guys, how much would you pay for a footy across there? I was literally about to, I'm signing into my eBay now because I, I it was cheaper to get it off ebay than uh oh yes i'm not a robot hang on hang on this is not exciting uh, my ebay i've i've literally bought one thing in the last um, all right while you search i'll ask you we already know what team you go for the mighty navy blues uh, but who's your favorite player of all time Buddy, I got a I got a soft spot for Buddy, and I think I know why it is. It's because of the um, the commentary. Now I don't I don't profess to know all the commentary, but Buddy is such an Australian. It's just like yeah. I, so the saying of Buddy Franklin's name in uh, in Australian is is almost like. I really no, that's a shit answer. No, ignore that one. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I, do like, I do like Buddy Franklin. Um, favorite player? I mean, I I feel like I should say Eddie Betts, but that's just really boring and the obvious Man. answer in he's this day age. I know he's a champion. Um, I'm still finding this footy. It was a hundred and thirty dollars. Australian. Yes. All right. No dramas. Right, let's finish off this interview, Rift, and I'll speak after. All right. Favourite player? Um... Well, something you're more across. You, like you've mentioned a few times, you work in the poker industry and you spend a fair bit of time. Who's your, who's your favourite poker player of all time? There are a lot of them. Um, and I think the answer to this question is that I don't have one anymore because it's kind of like that old thing of if you like sausages, don't find out how they're made. And that's not saying anything nasty about poker players or saying anything untoward happens. Um, but I remember being a fanboy. I remember um, the, one of the most famous poker players that even non-poker fans know of is Daniel Negreanu. He's Canadian. He he used to have. He used to top the all-time money list. He's a very good poker player, and I remember the first time I ever saw him, 
I remember the first time I ever spoke to him. And I remember the, I remember um, a colleague of mine who, again, went through the fanboy stage, was a player, now is media. And I remember him telling me about the first time that Daniel called him over. And so he's been in the industry for years and years. So you get to a point where I can't, I don't look at poker players as like my favorites anymore. They're my mates. I might go for a drink with them. I might go out clubbing with them in Vegas. It's sort of, it's a bit different. Um, but again, it's not like a sports journalism relationship whereby I'm going to be, I, I do sit there and, and, and interview them afterwards. And that is a sports journalism relationship. Um, but it's slightly different in that I can I see them a lot more regularly than than sports journalists when they only see them in the press room or yeah. on the pitch. Um, oh, well, Daniel well, is definitely up there, though. He, I mean, Negreanu's uh, one of my favourites. Uh, Phil Ivey, one of my yeah. other favourites. But who, who's who's the up and comer? Who's the the next? Daniel Negreanu or Phil Ivey that's coming up now that you, you know, who are you predicting um, is going to be? I feel like I should shout out a couple of Australians here. And this is not just because of Aussie rules. This is because they are very, very good. Um, one gentleman by the name of Robert Campbell. He won the World Series Player of the Year uh, last summer. Um, very good player, plays all the games. Won two, two titles, I think. Um, Carl Burns, he plays lots of high rollers. He, uh, 2018, was named Young, the, he was the Australian Poker Hall of Fame Young Achiever Award. Um, and then this year, Michael Adamo um, was the Young Achiever Award at the Australian Poker Hall of Fame. Um, and he's very, very good. He finished second in a online $100,000 tournament. And the, some of the plays that was happening heads up between him and the American that won, even I was sat there and was just in, in awe at it. It was some of the best poker I've ever seen, seen played, either live or online. So if you hear any of those names, um, they will um, probably not like to consider themselves the next Joe Hashem, because Joe Hashem is Joe Hashem. You only have one Aussie, rule, Aussie World Series main event champion. But um, if you... If you think Australian poker, it'll be one of those three blokes for sure. No, awesome. Uh, my my only claim to to winning anything in poker is I beat our captain Dicko in a in a tournament we ra we ran a few years ago. So that's another one I beat him in. I was going to say betting Dicko, mate, seems to yeah. be a kind of pretty common thread for you, mate. So it's it, it, like poker is is a huge leveler. Um, they say like it's a day to learn, a lifetime to master, and that's very, very true. Um, it's 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 one of those things that anyone can play it, um, whether you are um, old, young, any any nationality. Um, I mean, when I'm in, for example, when I came to Australia to do the Aussie Millions, the Aussie Millions is just a huge thing for the Australian poker community. You know, with no online poker anymore, a lot of it has gone to, to pub poker, poker leagues. Um, and so you see players there who have played in the league and the winner gets to go and play like a, a $1,000 tournament at the Aussie Millions. And it's like Christmas for them in, in, in January. 
Um, and then they can sit down at this table and play with not just some of the best pay players in the world, but so, like actual like celebrities. So, I mean, I spoke with Shane Warne while I was there. Um, Teddy Sheringham has been there, former Premier League footballer. Um, Adam Goods did the shuffle up and deal last year, year before, and he sat and played. Um, and so I remember, you know, people are sat there um, just with, with anyone there. You know, you, you're old blokes who are sat crushing the pub leagues next to 24-year-old Australian phenoms who have won millions and millions of dollars. And uh, that's probably one of my favorite things to see, especially in, in Vegas. When you're in Vegas and, and you're in the main event and it's $10,000 and some people have uh, pay, you know, saved up for years and it's a bucket list for their, their dad who's in their 60s or something. And they're sat next to this 26-year-old Austrian whiz kid who's just number crunching in his mind and is, you know, absolutely demolishing online. Um, and he's just, you know, they're both playing the same game. It, it's, it's magical. Yeah, um, that dog's just zoned out there for a while. No interest whatsoever, but, but my, I appreciate it. I, my experience with poker is I'll sit there and I'll be like, yep, I'll play. I'll play maybe eight, nine hands, have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, and then just be like, yeah, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm off to get a beer. See you later. <laughs> if, you, if you could see, like, that, that's, the, that's the footy room. That's the footy corner of my room. I've got all of my like poker books and, and strategy stuff up there. And I put this down in the pre-show. I feel like I need to show it just because yeah. otherwise I, before I put it back up. That's my um, Vegas $1 chip collection because I like to collect things. I'm like a magpie. Um, they are jokers all put together and, and, and stuff. So I... People know me as poker. Either people either know me through poker or footy. And um, when I get to go to Australia and I, you know, get to have a kickabout in a social sevens league, that's I mean that's that's brilliant. I love it. Now, well, if you're over here next year for the uh, Aussie Millions or anything like that, um, you're welcome down at uh, Edinburgh Reserve for a kick um, and maybe teach your boys a thing or two on the the. Poker table as well. I'm sure they'll Can appreciate it. We like just edit this last bit out, right? And just get him down. It's like, oh, we've got some bloke that wants to have a kick. Oh, we're going to have a poker night while we're here as well. And just see the cockiness of the boys just slowly, slowly just drift away with him, just taking their money and taking their chips. It, it, it'd be good to see. <laughs> yeah, it was good when I did it to Dick. <laughs> just like, like punked or something. Like, yeah. ah, you, th you thought this was just some scrawny British... Yeah. Buddy novice, and actually, he's no. Don't big me up like that. I don't think I. I no, we'll, I, I we'll, have to, we'll have to really set the punk up. We'll have to get like a poker game going for a few weeks before, just so yeah. boys build their confidence oh, up. And... Oh, poker! Oh, that's yeah, poker! That's, yeah, poker! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's with the dice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll hustle them. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, but thanks heaps for joining us, mate. We appreciate all, all the time we've taken. Um, and we'll make sure we share this around on all, uh, with all your social media and stuff and, and hopefully you pick up uh, the season where when it 
all these restrictions ease and stuff and you're able to get some season at the end of this year or, you know, at least the university season can continue to go and, and keep growing like it is. Um, is there anything else you want to add there, Doc? No, I just want to thank, thank you for joining us, mate. I do appreciate you taking time out of your morning across there, I think it is, or lunchtime, not too sure what time it is, um, to jump on and chat, to jump on and chat with us. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been fantastic. And, we mentioned at the start of the episode about a uh, past Mozzie's player, Sandown's number one fan, Jakey Norris. And during this episode, so a bit of uh, behind the behind the fourth wall, breaking the fourth wall, we're going to call it. This has gone out the night of the Vietnam. I'm recording this tonight, Vietnam's episode's gone to air. I've received a message from Jakey during this. I hope you have more episodes planned, mate. I'm loving it. So how many more episodes? I'm loving it. So... Let's say that the Mozzies have been, you know, constantly providing us with some content through Jake. And uh, I'm not going to say how many more we have lined up because I don't know when this is going to be coming out. But so everyone knows we've still got a good 20 plus episodes in the bank to come out. And we're not just going to stop this after COVID. It's going to be a thing that we're going to keep going. And uh, we'll obviously being as president of AFL uh, England, and we've spoken to a few clubs from there. Have you got any other uh, clubs that would love to jump on and, talk about their history mate would be you know lovely if you could send them our way so we can chat with them and promote not just not just aussie rules in england but aussie rules you know all around the globe you know worldwide to everybody else in australia and around the world but no thanks will for joining us mate we really do appreciate it absolute pleasure keep doing what you're doing guys thank you Uh, thanks man and and mate we might meet you up in uh Gold Coast when you get over oh, for the international rules i'm still i'm still up in the air whether or not i can i can be bothered to go like it's um, hey, we'll have to jump over and we'll go hit up the casino, mate. We'll play some cards. <laughs> it's interesting because, like I said, president of AFL England sounds like a big fucking deal. Um, and I wandered along to the European Championships in um, in August last year and was like, okay, well, I'll do some social media, yeah, and I'll, I'll chat with some players, yeah. Is that all I'm doing? Yeah. So I ended up just wandering around watching the footy for the best part of two days, three, no, a week, wasn't it? Um, and so I'm, I'm sat there wondering, like, what am I going to do with myself in Brizzy for however long when I'm not playing, I'm not coaching, uh, they have coached, the coaches and stuff are going to be the runners anyway. Um, well, runners aren't even a thing anymore. Um, so... I'm you, you, like, do, I just, do I just want to go for a footy holiday? Uh, you, can, you, you can join us as the third member on the Cobra Cast is not we show at the International oh. Cup. Like, yeah. a co- like a colour commentator. <laughs> All right, then. You can be our, our field reporter and... Um, <laughs> and then we'll go hit up the casino and make all your money back that you've paid for the trip. That's actually not a bad idea, yeah. Pay for the trip across and then go and... Yeah, I like it. I'll sit there and lose all my money, so we're good. No, we'll get, we'll get some lessons. Vegas, Give us I've been some Vegas lessons. four times, and last year was the first year that I uh, made a profit <laughs> in, in gambling while I was there. First year, second year, third year came close, and fourth year... I had a running bet with an Australian poker player and she was like, I want to get back into running and I've got a treadmill in my, my apartment. I said, I've got one as well. Do you want to, let's do a bet or something. I said, she said, okay, we'll run for a hundred days. And at the end of the hundred days, whoever has run the most, whoever's run the least owes the other person $10 US per kilometer that they're under. 
And I was like, okay, that's, that's a lot of money. That's enough incentive for me to actually run. And so we started and I was getting into it, into a rhythm, run before work. Okay. Yeah. Run before work. Okay. And about a third of the way through, she was like, I can't, I can't do this. And so she w- she had to play poker obviously as her job. And so as opposed to mine, when it was set time, she plays a different, she plays cash poker, which is basically you go in and out whenever you want. So if she got a text saying that there was a good game, she would hightail it off to the Venetian or the Bellagio or something and play. And so she fell behind. And so in the end, she bought out for, I was about 50, 50 to 60 kilometers up. Uh, and so she bought out for the equivalent of 900 Australian dollars. So that really boosted my summer. And so then when I came to Melbourne, you know, like Brian from Family Guy, give him my money, give him my money. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, uh, she paid up and went out to dinner at a vegan restaurant um, down in, oh, I can't remember what it was, what it's called. Uh, not, not to cast aspersions on both of you, I can't imagine you know any hip vegan restaurants in North Melbourne. We don't know. That's all I do. <laughs> you can't tell that we're both <laughs> vegan. <Yeah. laughs> so uh, no, that was that's so that's me and gambling. I, I hardly gamble when I'm at home. I might play the old poker tournament, but when I'm in Vegas, it's like when in Rome. You sort of, well, it's Vegas. Um, it's you got to do yeah. it. Um. Right. Well, look after yourselves, boys. I really did enjoy this. Thank you for having me. No, no, thank you. Mate. We do appreciate it been a pleasure and uh you take care and yeah we'll be in touch brilliant take care yourself. thanks for watching the cobra cast with the present vp and if you need somebody to talk to why not contact new life psychology in berwick they are now taking phone appointments or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info and we are supporters of tac's towards zero campaign Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.